Thanks for downloading this message from Devoted, the Christ Central Festival for all the family. Christ Central is part of New Frontiers, and our distinctives are made up of four priorities. Being friends enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom transforming the world, and reaching nations making disciples. Devoted is just one event, but you can find out more about Christ Central and other training opportunities at ChristCentralChurches.org. For more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Um, And uh, thanks to the stewarding team. They've given us more seats today, uh, which is wonderful. So we've got 300 nearly. Uh, in in the room today, which is fantastic, so it's uh, it's great to uh, just be able to uh, meet with you. It's lovely that you're so hungry, um, and that's probably one of the things that, as a team, uh, we'll be taking away with just how hungry you guys are for more of the Holy Spirit and for more of God, which is which is brilliant. So, trust you've been enjoying. Ha- ha- who's done the last two of these sessions? Wow, fantastic! Who's just done one before now? And who's just sneaking in on the tail end? <laughs> okay, you come for the big blessing, you know. Um, in, the, in the story of Jesus turning the water into wine, I love the fact that the, uh, the, the master of ceremonies, he says, and we often get it wrong, we often misquote what he says. We often say, you've saved the best wine till last. But that's not what he says. He says, you've saved the best wine till now. And uh, we're in that moment of now, I believe, in the, in the Holy Spirit uh, and what God's going to do. So um, it's going to be uh, a great day today because, as I've said to you before, you know, the whole point of us being full of the Spirit actually isn't for church on Sunday. It's for every day. And it's for where we are taking the kingdom every day. And um, that's the important thing. That's why Paul says, I want you all to prophesy, but only two of you on a Sunday. All right, now you've heard me say that if you've been around, but I keep saying it. You all should prophesy, but only two or three of you on a Sunday, which must mean that he had the rest of the week in mind when he was talking about you prophesying, taking the Holy Spirit where you are. Um, And so that is what we're going to do today. We're going to have a look at how we take the kingdom, how we work with the Holy Spirit and partner with him in the workplace. And it's my pleasure to introduce Dave to you. Dave, why don't you come up and Hazel, um, my wife. And uh, I'm going to hand, yeah, get it right, otherwise I'll end up cuddling the wrong one. Um, but the whole point is both Dave and Hazel have secular jobs. Uh, they work uh, in the secular world as well as um, being involved in church in various different ways. And they'll explain that to you. But uh, I just want to let you know that, that they're coming with integrity uh, as people who uh, operate in the Holy Spirit in the marketplace. So I'm going to hand over to them and uh, they'll take this session. Yeah, okay. So as Andy said, I'm married to him. My name's Hazel. I work um, three days a week as a pharmacist and have really just seen God's favor and blessing and financial provision on us as a family in terms of God letting me go to three days a week. And that's a whole other story I haven't got time for right now. Um, But yeah, I do feel passionate to see everything we're doing here. I mean, I love being here. I love what we do on a Sunday, but I want to see it change what I do on Monday, and I'm very passionate about that, so um, I'll tell you some stories later. Great. So as Andy said, my name's Dave. 
Um, and I have a family of three, a four-year-old, a 20-month-year-old, and a five-week-old. Um, and I, I work for the church 32 hours a week, and it's literally a strict 32 hours a week because I also have an IT company where I'm a director, and I run a personal training business both uh, face-to-face and online. So that's what I do, and, and this is the grace that God has given me to do that. And it's not a moment to compare with me and think, well, how are you doing that? Because you're graced to do whatever you are called to do. And that's what we're going to look at. What grace do you have and how do you, how do you use that really well? And I just, it's been such a privilege to be here. I'm not part of uh, your sphere, but I can just tell that in your sphere, you're, a, as Andy said, a hungry people. And you want to see God uh, move in you and move through you. And I just really want to honor that because actually that doesn't happen everywhere. Um, so well done for just uh, leaning into him. And I just also felt there's such a level of acceptance. So we were over at the youth last night, and it just you just feel like you don't have to perform in this context. Um, and I've really sensed that, that I don't need to be uh, anything. I can sit down and do nothing, or I can stand up and do whatever I want. And it just, you know, you are creating an environment of honor and hunger and acceptance. And it's a real privilege to flow in that. So I just want to thank you for that because it makes our job a lot easier. Um, So some stories from last night because it's so good to share stories. Stories always build faith. If you want to take the kingdom into the marketplace, you need to be the best storyteller in your workplace. So you need to learn how to tell stories. So I'm going to share some stories last night. So uh, Andy and the team, we were over at the youth. And we decided that after the worship, we'd just come up and just share some, um, some words of knowledge. And we began to just minister and that the young people encountered God powerfully. And we activated their prophetic gift right in that moment. And then we said, okay, so there are some people here that are, you know, they're not quite well. And uh, Joe on our team had a word about people with asthma. And so we got those and we just prayed for them. And then we said, right, you need to go and test that healing. So go run laps next door. So off they went and no one needed their inhaler. You know, so come on, God is healing people. And then we continued on, and then Andy uh, talked about um, the prodigal son story or the amazing father story, as it's better terms. And we talked about how people use their inheritance, either no use or an abusive use. And then uh, many people made recommitment. So God is moving in the youth. And you know what? God is moving here. And God is moving in your life. And God is moving in my life. And it's such an honor. And um, another really good thing to do is learn how to compliment people. So if you want to uh, move in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to be very good at telling stories and very good at complimenting people. So now it's your turn to practice. So it's really hard to compliment people that you know quite well, I find, because you, like, you look in their face, it's slightly embarrassing. So what I need you to do is to look in the person that you came with's face and just tell them how amazing they are for 20 seconds. Okay, off you go. Okay, if you haven't switched over, compliment the other person. Tell them their hair is fantastic. Their skin looks amazing. You love how they're dressed. You love that tent aroma. It's really blessing you. Okay, you can stop there. Okay, draw it back in. Okay, this is just, 
It's just a little bit of fun. It, it gets you going. And every person in this room has the ability to change an atmosphere. So my gym that I work for when I'm personal training is in a hotel. And in Western culture, people just don't smile. Okay? So every time I walk into my gym, all the receptionists who should be happy people are just head down, looking at the desk, trying to avoid any sort of eye contact. And you think, okay, so what environment are you giving off? Non-welcoming. And you're the welcoming people, right? So I walk in, hi, how you doing? How's your day? Have a little chat. And they have to engage. They have to. They have no choice. And then all you need to do is smile. If you're sat on a bus or in London in a tube, you smile at people. They think you're crazy. But you know what? When you start smiling, you are releasing the joy of the Holy Spirit because you carry him. So I want to encourage you to smile and to just compliment. Find anything, shoes, handbags, doesn't matter what it is. There was a a Mexican lady in the uh, green room with me on the first day, and I said, wow, your shoes are amazing. They're technicolored uh, shoes. They are brilliant. And then instantly God just said, and she's creative. Start prophesying into her. And then later on in that evening, I said to her, I can see you... um, uh, making, training women to make leather goods and selling them. Turns out that's exactly what she's doing. And I said to her, there's a gift on your life to create a church through kingdom activity. And she was just blown away. We'd never met each other, but all because I just recognized her shoes. When you learn to honor people, God just straight away speaks. And Joe did such a great job of uh, teaching us how God speaks. So we're going to activate how God speaks right now. So I need you to... T- uh, Find a partner that you don't know so well, so you don't need to move, but just maybe turn around, okay? And you just need to number yourselves, one and two, okay? So you've got 10 seconds to get a partner and to number yourselves, one and two. Okay, that's it. That's 10 seconds done. You should be one and two. Okay, and now what you're both going to do You have 30 seconds to pick one animal, okay? 30 seconds to pick one animal, so let's pick uh, a sloth, okay? So one animal, a sloth, and then you've got to think of the characteristics of a sloth. So a sloth does nothing, okay? So he just rests, okay? Upside down. So you think, okay, so a sloth, he rests upside down, and then what you say, you say, Andy, you are like a sloth. You rest in God's presence, and you have known the secrets of the kingdom that are upside down. And because of that, God's got an incredible anointing on your life. Okay, so in the same way, number ones, you take that animal, you take that characteristics, and you prophesy. So 30 seconds to get what you've got, and then I'm going to lead you. Okay, 30 seconds to get revelation. Off you go. Okay, your 30 seconds are up. So number ones, you are now prophesying into number twos. You've got 30 seconds to prophesy number ones into number twos. Off you go. Okay, time's up. Number twos, prophesy into number ones. Tell them how amazing they are.
Okay, stop. 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 God, God will keep speaking, don't worry. Okay, hands up if you are encouraged. How good is that? How simple. 30 seconds of listening to God and you've encouraged someone. Okay, so you now need to practice this skill in your church. And once you get good at it in church, you'll just feel much more confident to do it in the workplace. But I would encourage you in the workplace, maybe don't say, oh, God has told me that you're like a giraffe. Don't, don't go there. Okay, maybe use this language. Say, oh, I've been thinking about you last night and I just want to let you know that you're an, you're an incredible woman of integrity and honor. And I just, I just really feel you need to hear that today. Job done. Okay? That's how it looks like in the workplace. So um, the other thing that I think is really helpful to know is that the scriptures say in Proverbs, as a man or woman thinks, so they are. Okay? So I've been really challenged by that. And for years, I say this uh, particular declaration. I say it every morning. And I want to share it with you. And we're going to say it together. Um, You're not making a recommitment to Jesus. Um, But we're going to share a declaration together because as you think, so you'll behave. And we know that from the Bible. And as a personal trainer, I know that from training clients. If they think fat, they'll be fat. It just happens. You seem concerned. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) It's how it works. It's, it's It's a psychological process that if you do something for 30 days, you will actually change your thinking and it will become a habit. That is psychology and the Bible agrees with that. Um, so as a man thinks, so they are, as a woman thinks. So, so I say this, and you need to copy me. I declare, I declare that I'm a beloved son of God or a daughter of God, depending on your gender. <laughs> that all things are possible. Because the Father loves me. That I am an open heaven. That miracles are part of my natural life. And God's kingdom is coming today. And landing on someone. So good, isn't it? Now, if you start saying that, I can trust you. God's kingdom is landing on someone. Even if it's just you, get wrecked. Have fun. Okay, so God's kingdom is landing on someone today, and we've already done prophecy. So you've already began to step into the kingdom. Maybe you've been sat here, you've been hearing some great worship, some good teaching, and you thought, that's lovely, but what do I do with it? So already you've prophesied, already you began to move in the gifts. So now you're going to start healing the sick, okay? So wherever I go, I consistently see shoulders healed and uh, people that have sports injuries healed. And if anyone's got kidney problems, they are my free top healings, okay? I don't know why. I don't need to explain it, but that's what it is. So if you have shoulder problem of any description, doesn't matter what, we're going for it. If you have sports injury, pain, or lack of movement, doesn't matter what, doesn't happen if it was last week or 25 years ago, you're in for it, okay? And if you've got kidney dysfunction of some description, God's got you today. So all you people need to stand up. Off you go. There should be tons of you. Okay, so this is what we're going to do, and you can use this tool in and outside of the church. So the first thing uh, that you guys are going to do is you're going to ask them, what's wrong? The second thing is you're going to say, how much pain are you in? Scale it, zero to ten. Ten is lots of pain, like you're dying, you need Komodomol, the Holy Spirit, right now. Okay, and zero is, you know, you're, you're no pain, but maybe lack of movement. Okay, so you need to just find out that information right now. Off you go, 30 seconds. You need to, the people that sat down. (laughs) 
No, 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 no. Okay, you don't need to be praying. You should have got your information. Okay, so now all you're going to do is just pray that pain be gone. At full movement, come. Off you go. Give it your best prayer because God loves you and wants to heal the sick. God is doing things in this room. Holy Spirit is here. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, stop praying. God doesn't need that long. If you were, if you were doing the praying, you need to sit down. If you are being prayed for, remain standing. And if you are being prayed for, you now need to test your healing. You might need to shuffle, move your arm. You might need to do some laps. Okay? Okay. And now what I want you to... We're looking for positive change. So say if you're on a level seven in pain, and now you feel it's gone down to a three, that's good. Okay, so any positive change, I want you to just wave your hands like this. Okay, one here, one here. Okay, wave your hands so everyone can see. Okay, we're looking for what God is doing. Look at this. People are getting healed right here, right now. The kingdom is coming. Okay, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Take your seats. Okay, let's get the Bible out now. That would be a really great thing to do. So we're going to go into Mark. And uh, I'm going to read quite a long, long portion of Scripture. Um, my reading's not great, so I'd encourage you to read along by yourself because um, it's not a skill that I'm massively blessed with. Um, so we're going to pick up from Mark 1, 21, and we're going to go all the way down to 45. Um, and this is just more for context than anything um, as we continue on with this uh, little chat this morning. So verse 21, they went to Capernaum, and, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as one of the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was uh, possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You have, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Verse 25. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man and he came out with a shriek. The people were amazed and they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. And he, gave order to the impure, uh, and he gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly all over the region of Galilee. Verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they met with James and John and went to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. Simon and his companions went out to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. 
so good. So they, let's go to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So they traveled through Galilee and preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Verse 40, a man of leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant, which means he was angry, not with the guy, but with the sickness. He reached out his hand and touched a man. He said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he is cleansed. Jesus sent, them away, uh, sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone about this, but go show yourself to the priests. Offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And instead, he went out, talked freely about it, completely disobeyed Jesus, spreaded the good news. And as a result, Jesus couldn't go anywhere because everyone wanted a piece of Jesus. And that is the end of verse 45. So what am I going to say about all of that? I'm going to say this. Have you ever wondered where Jesus did most of his miracles. Have you ever wondered? Was it inside the Jewish temple? Was it inside the synagogue? Was it, was it all throughout Israel in these, in these little sacred gatherings? Or was it on the road, at the lake, at the beach, on a boat? Where was it? Was it in the market square, in someone's house? Where did Jesus preach and demonstrate the kingdom? In the sacred environment, or what we call a secular one. So often in the Bible, the answer is always both. It's never either or, it's and. <laughs> and. Both together at the same time. He did both. But I think if you go through the Gospels, you will see that there is a higher proportion of kingdom activity happening in the secular environment there is, than there is in the sacred one. Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen that he would build his church. You know how he did it? He preached the kingdom of God. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. And there's different aspects. So in that just chunk of Mark 1, we see the healing of a leper. We see someone being demon-possessed, um, being set free. We see teaching with authority. These are all kingdom. It's not just healing. It's not just prophecy. It's teaching. It's authority. It's acts of kindness. There's so much. The kingdom is so big. And Jesus did it all. I've wondered over the years, what is our primary message. So, you know, you, you go to church on a Sunday, you have, a, you have an average meeting or a good one. You go to work on Monday, you're in the tea room, making a cup of tea, someone comes in, how's your weekend? Well, yeah, it was fine, had the family over for dinner. Yeah, yeah, what did you do? Da, 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 da. And if you're brave enough, you might say something like, well, yeah, I was at church and, um, we were just, yeah, the, the guy was teaching on this and that. And basically, you talk about church. In that moment, you talk about church. And then, you know, if you're a little bit braver, maybe you, you're trying to get this person to come to your church. So you say, my church isn't like one of those churches. You know, my church is like this. And you're like, you know, we're free and we dance and we clap and we're all happy. And you're really good at describing your church, right? You know, you talk about how you're current and relevant and you've got flashy lights and maybe a smoke machine. <laughs> you talk, your message is the message of the church. Your primary message to your non-Christian friends is a description of the church. Jesus' primary message to the nation of Israel was not a message about the church. just need to let you know that. It's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. So Jesus didn't describe the church. He described the kingdom of God. And then what happened is people encountered the kingdom of God and said, I want in with the guy who rules this kingdom. So can we hang out with you, Jesus? Because you're clearly that guy. And Jesus said, yeah. And then a church was established. 
And I think we, we've seen this in the church in the obvious way, and no offense to anyone that does this because God is all good and his grace is amazing, but we tend to church plant and then do kingdom activity, not kingdom activity that causes a church to be formed. Come on. Shabba. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. I was in a nation a while ago and God wrecked me because we went into a leprosy conley and into slums and this and that. And we sat down with just dirt poor people and we did a lot of crying because it's just horrific. And we just preached the kingdom of God and we healed the sick. And seven churches got planted in four months. This is the kingdom of God because people gather to a kingdom, a value system, right? When we're talking kingdom, we're talking value system, okay? They gather and they want to know the king of the kingdom and he's Jesus. But when they got to gather to a church, you're saying, can you sign up to my institution? Now, if you love football like I do, no matter how Tottenham play, I am not supporting Tottenham because my value system is I'm an Arsenal fan, okay? <laughs> you cannot convince me to support that team, and, and it's, I think it's a lot like that when you're saying, okay, this is what my church is like, this is what my church is like, this is what my church is like. And they're like, yeah, but I don't like that value system. And it's hard for them. But when you show the kingdom, then you get to kingdom and then church. Because all of the church is in the kingdom, but not all of the kingdom is in the church. That's why we take the kingdom to the workplace. You don't take your church to the workplace, do you? Your senior pastor doesn't come up with your worship leader. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. This doesn't happen. You don't take your church to work. You take the kingdom because you are the kingdom. The Holy Spirit's in you. The kingdom of God is in you. You take the kingdom to the workplace, not your church. But we love the church and the two are connected. And the church's primary job is to equip the saints for works of service. Your church's primary job, my primary job, is to encourage you to be bringers of light, love, the gospel, and the kingdom. That's my primary job, to equip you. You know what? Because you're sat here, you are now equipped to prophesy and to heal the sick. Why? Because you've just done it. You can't do it in here and then not do it somewhere else. If you've done it here, you can do it somewhere else. So good. Okay, in Acts 2, um, verses 14 through to 14, I'm not going to read them. Peter is speaking to the Jewish nation, and he introduced them to Jesus, the king of the kingdom. The crowd were already experiencing the kingdom of God. So let's get the context right. There was the big wind, right? We all know about it, the tongues of fire. They were all drunk, but not drunk, you know, that whole thing. So the whole of the community is experiencing what? The presence of God, the kingdom of God. So in the context of the presence, the manifest glory of God, Peter says, look, this is what's going on. It's a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, which I don't know how he makes that connection because people being drunk is not part of Joel's prophecy. But anyway, that's what he does. We roll with that. And he says, this is the kingdom of God. And Jesus is the king and you guys killed him. So repent. Repent. And what's happening in that environment is they're already experiencing the kingdom, so they want to meet the king because something is happening. Something is happening. Jesus preached and demonstrated the kingdom. You can pick that up in any gospel passage, but if you need a verse because you just need that in your life, Luke 4, 
43 and uh, Luke 7:21. Jesus taught the disciples the message of the kingdom and preached and demonstrated the kingdom. In Acts 1:3, it says that Jesus taught them about the kingdom, and then Luke 9:1 to 2, we know that they sent out and they did kingdom activity. And Paul, believe it or not, what did he preach? The kingdom. The kingdom, Acts 19, 8 and 11. Paul preached the kingdom. Every disciple's primary message is the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom. I believe the Father wants to change our mindset from one of primary message of the church and describing our churches to a primary message of the kingdom and describing the kingdom. All of your gospel stories that we so love, what are they messages of? The kingdom. What is the father like? How does it operate? If you've got loads of gifts, you get more gifts. It's the way of the kingdom. This is good news. And I I think one of the things I've learned over the years is the more I understand the kingdom, the easier it is to bring it in all of its glorious forms. So let's open your scripture up again. Let's go into Isaiah 61. Okay, it's such a famous passage that I feel liberty that I don't necessarily have to read it to you all. I hope you're okay with that. But um, I want to leave as much time for God to just wreck us. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, so um, I'm going to pick up from Isaiah 61 different aspects of the kingdom. And I'm going to try and articulate how you can bring them in different ways. Okay, so and the reason I picked this passage is because Jesus uses this passage in Luke 4 to describe his messiahship. So he's saying, I am the Messiah. That's why I've sat on the Messiah seat in the synagogue. And this is what my kingdom looks like. It looks like Isaiah 61. So that's why we're picking Isaiah 61. There could have been many other verses. So the first thing, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me or upon you. So the presence of God is upon you. That means that when you walk into a room, you get to dictate the spiritual temperature. You are the thermostat in the room. If the room is sad, Start prophesying joy. You don't have to start going, joy, joy, joy. Just in your spirit, I just release joy here. You get to dictate the temperature of the room. And people experience that. We've all experienced it in the negative. Everyone's been to a coffee shop where the staff are just really rude. Everyone's done that. Everyone's been there. You experience their countenance. What countenance are you giving off? Does it smell like Holy Spirit? Are people encountering it? Verses 1, 3, 10, and 11, they all talk about salvation and righteousness, the forgiveness of uh, sins, a restored relationship with God, adoption into his family, becoming a child of God. This is a manifestation of the kingdom. Salvation is part of the kingdom. Part of the kingdom. So you know when you try and share the gospel with someone and it doesn't work, don't beat yourself up because they didn't get saved. Don't do it. Because you did part of the kingdom. You went and shared the message. How do you respond is up to them. Pat yourself on the back. I was amazing that day. I shared. I was so obedient. I am brilliant. My father loves me. Their response is up to them. You don't get to control their response. You just get to share the message. Healing and deliverance, verse 1. Physical, emotional, spiritual healing. Part of the kingdom. Now let me share this with you. This is so, so important. Because hands up who doesn't work for the church. Wow, look how many people don't work for the church. So what happens if I, who works for the church, stand up and say, well, you know, God was really powerfully moving through me and I prayed for this little girl and she got healed of cancer. Everyone goes, wow, that's amazing. Wow, Dave, you know, who knows what God's doing in your life? Blah, blah, blah. And they, it's just, yeah, that's good. Okay, but what happens to the ornithologist, cancer doctor, 
who's getting 10 people saved, not saved, healed a day of cancer through, through natural treatment. Where's their clap? Where's their clap? Where's their clap? Where's the clap for the counsellor that's helping someone who's struggling with demonic oppression? Where's their clap? Where is their clap? I work as a personal trainer, as I've said, and type 2 diabetes is probably the biggest killer in our nation. And you know, all I do is make people healthy. It's not supernatural. It's a paid job. But it's still part of the kingdom. And unless we learn to value that, we are limiting what the kingdom looks like to just supernatural healing. God, in heaven, there will be, we'll all be healed, so there'll be no healing. So we don't want people to be sick. If they're sick, we want them healed. But ultimately, we don't want them sick. So preventative strategy, I think, is much better than deliverance strategy. We want people to be healthy. So if you're working in health, God bless you. You're amazing. You're making our nation more like heaven every day. Rock on doctors and nurses. Okay, verse 2 talks about comfort. What does comfort look like? It looks like supplying someone's emotional, physical, or spiritual need in some way. In some way. Demonstrating compassion. Okay, verses 3 and 7, they talk about joy. You know you should be happy in the kingdom. Happy. Happy. You think, oh. Okay, Dave. Well, I'll put my happy face on. No, 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 no. If you don't feel happy, you just, you need an encounter with the Father again. Okay? You da- There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to know how loved you are. And when you know how loved you are, you'll be really happy. You'll be, you get real happy. And then you, you just become free. Happy people are free people. They just, they don't care. I'm happy. I'm good with myself. Verse 8, justice. What a commission. We get to correct injustices and judge correctly. One of my favorites and all you, and, uh, is 6, 7, and 9. As being part of the kingdom, you know you get an inheritance, right? An inheritance. Now, I'm going to contextualize this, and it's probably going to offend many of you. The passage is talking about land and assets. Read it for yourself. So your inheritance is around material stuff and spiritual stuff. Because you're part of the kingdom, you should have resources to bless others. How can you be a blessing unless you are blessed yourself? Jesus gave of himself, and he was pretty blessed. You need something if you're going to give something away. So allow yourself to be given to. That's so often the problem. Allow yourself to be given to. As you're getting really good at receiving... You're going to be really good at giving away. Why? Because you were born to give away. Because the Father's DNA is in you, and he is generous. And if you're connected to him, no matter how much stuff you get, you're just going to be generous because your Father's generous. Father like son and all that stuff. And Romans 14, 7, jumping into the New Testament, peace, shalom. To bring about the peace of God in relationships with God, creating harmony and safety and welfare for others. These are different aspects of the kingdom, nine aspects. There are so many, we could be here for days going through them, but here's nine. And I just really want to let you know that some of these aspects are supernatural. And because you are supernatural, do you hear that? They are supernatural, but because you are supernatural, you get to do them naturally. How natural was it that we just prophesied over each other and you guys healed the sick? 
You know, none of, none of you guys prayed in tongues before you came in here, did you? No. None of you had your Holy Spirit moment. You just did the stuff. And God went, bam, yeah, come on, people, let's go. Some of it is natural stuff done supernaturally. In Acts 10.38, it says, Jesus went around, healed the sick, and did good. You know when you take your neighbor dinner? That's not supernatural. That's natural, but do it supernaturally, and who knows what will happen. We need to grow in doing supernatural stuff as an everyday part of our life and doing natural stuff supernaturally empowered. And on that point, I'm going to hand over to the amazing Hazel, who's going to carry on for us. Thank you. That was amazing, Dave. So, I mean, we all feel so stoked now, don't we, to think, this sounds really easy, what Dave's talking about, bringing the kingdom, all the different aspects, all the things, many of them, we think, yeah, I could do that, I could totally do that. So what is it that stops us? I think, you know, for most of us, it's fear, isn't it? We just fear, and, and fear is the thing that just grips us and can paralyze us into inactivity um, and just stop us stepping in to what God has for us. I mean, yesterday, Joe said, the thing that paralyzes us, the biggest thing is comparison. And I mean, that's just another kind of fear, isn't it? Fear that we won't measure up to other people, fear that we just don't compare well. And we all know the verse that in Psalm 118 that says, I will not fear what can man do to me. But yet, actually, fear of man is massive, isn't it, for all of us? Um, We can worry that our our reputation will be tarnished, that God's reputation will be tarnished, that we'll mess it up, that we won't look good, that people will think we're crazy or stupid or something like this. So we can fear so many things. I think for me, sometimes, something that I would fear uh, was that my life wouldn't match up. I can say stuff. And I need to be able to demonstrate, I need to have the best life and everything sorted and have it totally together. And when I'm a young mum struggling with little kids, this was a long time ago, obviously, um, that, you know, that that would worry me that, well, I I don't have it all together. And what are they going to think if I say one thing and I just haven't got it all sorted? And it it would concern me. And I think, you know, there's two things here. I think... For us, not having it together is a massive part of the gospel message, that acceptance and everything. So it's really important that we can vocalize that to people. But at the same time, I do think that we need to understand how to do the ordinary extraordinarily well before God will maybe use us in in extraordinary things. You know, we need to be the best employee. We need to be there on time. We need to honor people. We We need for people to look at us and think, they, they are good. They're, they're a really good employee. And, and the favor of God is on us. So we should be good. We should be seeing God's favor in our workplace and, and everything else. So I think one of the big ones as well is that God won't come through for us, that it won't work. This is massive, isn't it? You sort of pray and think, what well, if it doesn't work? I'm going to look really stupid. And, uh, and what will they think? Um, and, and for me, I can tell you many, many, many stories. I remember the first time that, that God did a healing sort of through me um, in the workplace. And I could tell you many stories before that where I summoned up the courage to pray for somebody and it didn't seem to work. It didn't look like, I mean, I wouldn't say nothing happened, but it didn't look immediately obvious that anything had happened to that person. And it was really scary. And, and um, you know, I'd summoned up the courage and anything, nothing 
nothing happened. I can't believe it, you know. Um, But I was very encouraged by something I read where Heidi Baker had said, for the longest time, I prayed for people to receive their sight and nothing happened. And I mean, we see Heidi Baker's ministry now where she sees blind eyes see all the time. They see amazing, miraculous because she pushed through. And I think what we need to do is understand, as Dave was saying, that we need to honor courage and obedience because the results are up to God. We can't actually heal, but you know, it's him that's doing it. So we need to be able to honor those things and push through. And I remember the first time that on the back of these, (laughs) these numerous failures... I remember a friend of mine had said to me, I had a dream last night about one of those people that has a really big arm, you know, big sort of swollen arm, and they wear a stocking on it. And usually that's when people have had breast cancer. They they have to sort of do that um, because something goes wrong with the lymph and everything. And uh, I just thought, well, that was a weird dream. Didn't think any more about it. Um, And then later on in the day, I'd gone off for a break from the pharmacy. And my friend who I was working with had been moaning the whole day that she'd got a bad shoulder. And uh, I wasn't being that sympathetic. People that work in pharmacies, I feel sure, have many more ailments than normal people, it seems to me. So I'd kind of zoned it out and was trying to concentrate. Anyway, I went off to the loo or something, was coming back, and saw somebody with one of these stockings on their arm. And this customer I knew who was, you know, and I wasn't brave enough to go and pray for her, but something clicked in my brain that I thought, ah, this person I'm working with has had breast cancer. And I I just spoke to her when I came back and I said, Denise, do you, are you your shoulder and things, are you worried that something's wrong? Like, that you, are you worried that something's coming back? And I just felt like a rise of compassion in me at that point because I knew she'd had breast cancer five years ago. And, and and she said, yeah, I, I'm scared. I'm scared this shoulder thing is actually a lot more than this. And so I'm kind of thinking, okay, God, if we're going to pray, everyone needs to go. We need to have no customers. We need, you know, this, this needs to work. This is my deal. Um, and, and, and it happens. So God will, you know, if you say, if you do this, then I'll pray. He'll do it every time. And, and so, um, so I just said, look, Denise, I, I, can I pray for you? And she said, oh, yeah, that'd be great, And which I've always been surprised. People are much more willing to be prayed for. And, and even when it doesn't work, they normally still think it's really cool and they're so grateful. Um, so I just quietly put my hand on her shoulder and said, look, I'm not going to be weird. Just can I release, you know, so I said, Jesus, I release your healing power into Denise's body right now. Heal her in Jesus' name. And, um, and uh, this was just very discreet and it was fine, you know. And she, she just turned around and said, oh. I'm not being funny. I'm not. I'm not even making it up. I'm not being funny, right? But I felt like tingling all up and down my body, and all, and it it just totally went. It was so cool. So that was just, you know, that was just one story. And I think I don't know why it doesn't work sometimes, and it works others. I don't know. We could jump through all sorts of theological hoops, but what I do know is that I see God heal people more often when I pray for them than when I don't. <laughs> so. so <laughs> That's my deep theological point. But just as we talk about fears, I just want to deal with some of this stuff this morning. We're going to do it in a very simple way. Because the fears that we have are always underpinned by lies that we believe. Okay? So if I fear, I mean, I've been through times when I feared that God wouldn't use me and actually, or, or that it wouldn't work. And actually the lie that I've believed 
is that I'm not one of those people that God is going to use to heal others, which is contrary to what Scripture teaches us, isn't it? Because it's our inheritance. We're told to go and heal the sick. So it's not true. And the truth is that God wants me to go and pray for the sick and see them healed. And in all these other areas too, we can find things not, it's not too difficult to find the verses in the Bible that will speak against these lies. So what I'd like us to do is just to make a response and just to deal with some of our fears right now. I don't know, would you want to stand just so that you can... We're not going to spend long on this because as Dave said, um, God doesn't need long to work. So don't go digging around in your own head. I just want to for you to ask God to give you something and just want you to think, what is my biggest fear? Some of you will know that. Some of you will know what your fear is about stepping out right now. Some of you just ask God, what's the fear? Okay, and then ask God, what is the lie that I'm believing that is leading me to fear in that way? What is the lie? Okay, God will show you that. And we're going to ask him for the truth that comes against that lie. This may be truth that's been spoken over you in terms of uh, Bible verses you've had. If, if It may be uh, prophetic words that you've been given. There's a truth that will directly counter that lie. So we're going to say just, just, you can speak it out if you want to. It's powerful to speak. And we're going to say, I repent of this fear that I have. And I expose the lie that says, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, we expose that lie. I break agreement with this lie. And I break its power right now. See, the enemy only has power where you agree with him, where you allow that. And I choose to believe the truth. And then fill in your own gaps, whatever that truth is, okay? Yeah. Okay. So that's a really, really useful tool that I've found has, it will deal with things very quickly and easily. Some of you may think, yeah, I need to spend a lot longer on that. May start to open a can of worms and you need to get some help with that even. Um, but for many, many of us, that's something we just speaking out and breaking agreement with that lie can just transform things very, very quickly. Okay, story. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sit down, please. We've just got some time for some stories and we're going to do some other stuff. Um, one of the things that I found, yeah, one of the stories I have um, is just about changing the atmosphere and releasing the presence of God into the atmosphere. And uh, I found in a various different ways, as Dave said, I, I used to work 
um, with, a, with a small team in a pharmacy. So it's very obvious to me there how I can release the presence of God and how I can change the atmosphere and be the one that's always joyful and happy and, uh, you know, and just encouraging and honoring and, and all those things. And that, for me, is much more obvious. I've more recently transitioned into a completely different job where I work in private mental health hospitals. So I'm walking through wards where people are very disturbed and... There's all sorts going on, and, you know, for me, I think what I'd like to do is float three inches above the floor and just see everybody released and cast out and all sorts of things, you know? But sometimes you kind of think, man, how do I do this? How do I change the atmosphere in here? And I've really felt that God has, you know, told me to just pray. I pray every day as I go in. I pray through all the wards. If there's disturbance, I pray. Um, I pray over the, the drug charts, I pray if I get like patient histories and things. And it's, it's kind of strange because sometimes you don't know what that's doing. But again, with obedience, I pray for all those things. I did have one situation where I saw an immediate change where the atmosphere had changed. And I'd gone into a kid's ward. Um, there was a kid that was, was really um, very, very disturbed. And it, it sounded, you know, that kind of sound where you just think, that is not right. The hairs on the back of your neck are standing up. And I was thinking, my goodness. So I'm kind of pacing around. I don't really get very direct patient contact, so that, that's difficult. But I was pacing around in the clinic room, which was next to the room where this kid was really, um, you know, being restrained and everything else. And they're screaming, screaming, screaming. So I'm walking backwards and forwards, praying and, you know, trying to trying to sort of do what I knew to do and 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 then eventually I think my goodness you know still screaming screaming praying some more and then I started singing some of you will know that Lou Fellingham song you are my peace started singing this I mean not loud enough so anybody could hear me but I'm singing it in there and it's amazing how the atmosphere changes because it stopped the screaming stopped in that moment so I think you all that is amazing, you know, so I'm praying, thank you, thank you, Lord. And I, I didn't really know what had gone on, so I went and spoke to some of the guys afterwards and said, look, what happened with that, with that kid? You know, did you, were you, did you give uh, injections? Did you? They said, no, we're not allowed to. Parents will not allow us to treat in that way. So I don't know. They said it just suddenly stopped. And I just thought, amazing, Aww. praise God. So just releasing his presence, releasing his peace. Um, another one, or are you going to go? Uh, just just one other quick one, just because, you know, as I say, we, we sometimes have a mindset that we think this is what it looks like for me, floating above the floor, you know, being able to heal everybody that I see and just, you know, and we sometimes have a kind of mindset that this is what it will look like. But I found that there, there can be unusual times where, where God just sort of breaks in and you're able to release the kingdom when you didn't expect to. So I was chatting to uh, a nurse the other day. And uh, it turned out that she was a Christian. She, we were just, you know, generally chatting, and it came out that I go to church, and we comparing notes, and where does she go, and everything like this. And it turned out, as she started to talk to me more, that she was a Pentecostal in like a black Pentecostal church, and um, and she was talking about getting sympathetic pains to people when you know when she can feel things that are going on. And so I was really encouraging her, thinking that's really cool. That would be so cool. And how do you work with that? And she said to me, "Do you know what?" The thing that I don't have and I'd really love is I can't speak in tongues. For a Pentecostal, that's a big, that's a big problem. So I started to engage in conversation. And it was, just, it was just great to be able to speak to her and just speak truth and, and just go through and open up the scriptures to her. Again, like nobody, nobody turned up. So we were able to have some time 
um, opening up the scriptures and just teaching her the truth of how we all have the Holy Spirit and how we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and how she can get to speaking tongues. I was able to lead her through all that. And again, that didn't seem supernatural to me. It didn't, you know, but for that woman, she was released and she came into freedom where she had been bound and felt rejected almost by God in that place. So that was just an unexpected one. And like uh, Hazel, I just want to share some stories because sometimes I think when you're sat there and you're looking at someone up here, you think, oh, they must have got it all together. And like their success rate must be like off the chart. And um, I want to let you know that that is not my experience at all. Um, and e- like, even still now, there are times when I just don't pray for people because just fear just goes, and I just go, oh, Sorry, Jesus. And that's like the end of it, really, because I've missed the, missed the moment. So I'm going to share some stories of missing the moment uh, to encourage you. Um, <laughs> because we want to be authentic, and I want to share some just really authentic stories. So uh, as a personal trainer, I, I, some of my clients are just very wealthy, influential people. And because they're wealthy and influential, they, they have a mentality uh, that I am far less than them. And I shouldn't, you know, really look at their eyes. Um, so, so in one particular client, really, really uh, it reinforces this nature that he is a better man than me because he earns seven figures and I earn nowhere near. Um, and so I quite often go to his house. I've been training him for maybe seven or eight years. So we've got quite a long-standing relationship. And he quite often asks me, so, you know, how's your business going, Dave? Have you made it to 50 grand yet? And I'm thinking, no, why don't you give me part of your bonus? We could, you know... <laughs> You know, we could, we could do an exchange here, you know, maybe rather than paying me per hour, why not have a percentage of your, you know, shares in PwC? I don't know. So we sort of, um, we have this really interesting relationship where, I don't know, it's like he, he likes to make himself feel big by putting me down, and that's sort of our relationship. Anyway, so that's what we do. And um, one time we were chatting, and he said, um, he, he said I said, oh, so, um, you know, is there anything wrong with your body? You know, just sort of, it is on the rower. And then he said, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't have hearing, a hearing in my left ear. I have a hearing loss. I, in a room, I can't pick out p- voices. And I was thinking, this is it. This guy's getting saved. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, but there's so much fear because he's ridiculed me for being a Christian for so long that I just thought, okay, this is my opportunity to nail fear. So I give it my best prayer. And I say, oh, can I pray for you? Like I've seen God heal, like ears and, and hearing. And he's like, hmm if you want to, what does it look like? And I was like, well, I'm going to put my hand on your ear and I'm going to do this. And I explained to him and I prayed for him. And then I said, oh, let me know how it happens. Uh, let me know what happens. And nothing happened, nothing at all. I didn't even feel God. Like God was not there. <laughs> and, uh, and then the day after, um, so two days later, I had to go back to his house and train him again. I said, you know, have you noticed any difference? And no. <laughs> okay, I'm now dying inside. <laughs> which I literally was. And then uh, I went to a, a, a sort of a wider leadership team in our church meeting, and I was just sharing with one of my friends, and I told him about this experience. And then he just said, oh, let me just pray that God would recharge you. So he prayed, and that was really good. And then I went to another one of my clients who, again, he's, I've known him for a long time, again, incredibly wealthy. And uh, he's, he's a homosexual guy, and we have some great sort of conversation about that. But because of his sexual disposition and because of the general church's view on it, he's pretty anti the gospel. And uh, ever since particular legislation about uh, Christian sort of ethics and marriage. He now refuses to say the Lord's Prayer if he's at a wedding or anything. So he's really quite hurt by that. And um, so he was telling me that he has a uh, knee pain. And, and again, I just thought, okay, God, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it, God. And God was like, okay, don't do it then, Dave. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do it. And, uh, 
And then, and then you know what it's like, right? You, I don't know if you have the same experience. So I'm in the car and I'm leaving and I'm driving from Highgate back up to Barnet where I live and oh, just so much condemnation. You're a failure. You talk about this stuff at church, but you can't do it yourself. You know, all the lies, bam, bam, bam. Just like getting battered in the car with like untruth. And I just went home and just felt rubbish. And then, you know, I probably ate some chocolate or whatever, picked myself up. And, uh, and then... <laughs> And then felt guilty and did some press-ups. You know how it goes. And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then so I, was, I went back to my friend and I said, oh, come on, please help me. And it was like, I, don't, I, don't know, I just felt like I'd hit a wall of fear. And maybe, I don't know, maybe God wanted to take me to the next level. I don't know. So I just went back to my friend and I shared with him. And then, you know, God always wants to set you up for success, Right. He, he'll, he's so kind, he will set you up for success. So I'm in the gym, I'm having a workout, and I'm quite militant with my time. Like if I've decided I'm doing something, I'm doing that. And when it ends, it ends, and that's how my life operates. Um, otherwise, I couldn't do what I do. And so one of my clients comes in, and she's suffered with cancer for years in the thyroid, and she's recovering, and I'm helping her with her recovery and developing her fitness. She's massively overweight, but she's doing an incredible job, lost like five stone in like a few months. It's just amazing. So we're having a chat, and she starts opening up her life to me and saying, and I'm not doing my chest press, and I'm sort of like engaging, but sort of thinking, no, I'm here for myself. This is Dave time. I've got my headphones on, doing my bench press. So, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and then I just thought, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, stop. Okay, so I stopped, put my weights down, and I engage with her. 45 minutes later, we're still talking. <laughs> like, my heart rate has dropped. It's a terrible workout. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so I'm just chatting with her. She's telling me about her life. And, and you need to learn to do this, guys. You need to learn in the midst of the conversation to say, Father, what do I need to say? Not what am I thinking, Father, what do I need to say? And as she spoke, the Father just began to share some uh, key aspects of wisdom. And I just said, oh, I just have a real sense. The Lord does not say, because we're outside of the church. I just have a sense I've just got some intuition. How's this working for you? We'll talk about it. Okay, well, I, I feel you just need to have this conversation with this particular person. And she just like looked at me like, how do you know that? And then, and then she literally said that. How do you know that? And I said, well, you know I go to church, right? And God tells me stuff. And she's like, does God tell you any other things? I was like, mm, you've got a broken toe. She's like, how do you know that? I was like, God tells me stuff. I was like, do you want to be healed? <laughs> So anyway, right there in the gym, we have a 45-minute counseling session, and I pray for her toe. And then um, I say, oh, let me know how it goes. And this is so classic of non-Christians. They don't want to embarrass you because they didn't get healed. So they say, oh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, and quickly make a beeline for the door. So that's what she did. And then, I, and then being a Christian, you want instant feedback, don't you? So I was, like, looking for her later. I knew she'd gone swimming, so I thought I'd take a bit longer in the shower, work on my hair a bit longer. Anyway, <laughs> didn't see her. And then um, I went home, and then I, next day I had to see her because I was training her. And uh, so she came back to the gym, and I said, oh, so how is your toe? She's like, oh, I didn't want to text you because I just don't really know what to say, but I'm completely pain-free. Uh, <laughs> And then she said, and also, like, when you speak, it's like you, you're, you're in my bedroom. How, how are you doing that? And I said, well, I'm checking your Facebook. No, I didn't. <laughs> but what I want to share to you is the reality of there will be times that you have those moments. But there will be times where you give it your best effort and nothing happens. And you're going to have to learn to be comfortable with seeing breakthrough and getting smashed with fear in the same moment, sometimes in the same day. And it's just part and parcel because none of us in the room are Jesus. So we all believe lies and we all get 
sidelined by them at some times. Another really fun story um, is this one. I, I really fundamentally believe that your kids are meant to be on the journey with you. So my kids are four, 21 months, and my five-week-old, but she hasn't been on a journey with us yet. So my four-year-old and my 21-month-old were um, at, at my in-laws, and we'd just done a conference at our church, and I had to go and pick them up from South London. And as I was driving back, I... Um, I was going up past Brink Cross in North London on the A41, and there was a guy, like, you know, waving down a car, trying to get some attention, nicely dressed. I thought, okay, yeah, opportunity time. So kids in the back, in their car seats, pull up, hey, what's wrong? He's like, oh, gives me this massive story about his grandma being in Glasgow, and he needs 200 quid cash now to get to Glasgow. And then he's like, gets his gold rings and says, why don't you take these rings as a deposit? And you're thinking, are they real? Are they fake? I don't know. What am I going to do? And then um, I just said, look, I'll take you to the petrol station and fill your car up with petrol. That's what I'll do. And he was like, no, but I need 200 quid cash. I said, well, if you need to get to Glasgow, you're going to need petrol, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, let's do that. So I went up the road, took him to a petrol station, and uh, we, I bought him petrol, and it was like 70-odd quid in the tank. And then um, as I was walking to the cash machine, I thought, oh, let's get him some cash as well. So I got like 60 quid cash out. And at this point, I was thinking, oh, this is making me in debt. Anyway, let's keep going. So I did that, and then I went into the shop, and I thought, well, if he's going to go to Glasgow, and if his need is genuine, he's probably going to need some food, right? So then I bought him some sandwiches, and then I saw he had a friend in the car, so I bought him some sandwiches, and then, I don't know, so I'd spent quite a bit of money at this point, and then I went back to the car, uh, my car, and then we stood at my car, and then he saw my kids, and it was like his face completely changed. And it was at that moment that I thought, I don't know if you're genuine. I'm really not sure, because is that your kids in the car? I was like, yeah, and he's like, Oh, and it it just, something shifted. And then I just said to him, God has been incredibly kind to me and Jesus is now being incredibly kind to you. Have a great trip. See you later. Off he went. You know, the Bible says that by the measure that you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, all together, running over, overflowing. A friend, that I, well, not really a friend, a person in my parents' church that I barely know then Facebook messaged me and said, could I come to your house? I'd like you to disciple me. Um, yeah, okay, come around in a few Tuesdays' time. This guy came around. We sat down. We had a chat about how to operate in the kingdom in the workplace, had a bit of a prayer. And then he said, God has told me to invest in you. Can I have your bank details? Great. Take them. <laughs> come on, Jesus. So I probably spent on this guy 150 quid, maybe 170. Now that passage says 30, 60, or 100 times running over, yeah? So what's 30 times 170? (laughs) 5,000, we'll run with that. What's 60 times 170? I got 10 grand into my bank account by a stranger. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm just talking about kingdom. And now I'm not saying that's going to happen every time you give money away because I've given money away and nothing has happened. But that wrecked my theology. Wrecked it. Because I've been praying to God for five years. God, can someone pay for me to go to Bethel? Now I'm going. (laughs) 
I want to do some ministry quickly, but all I want to conclude by saying this. Jesus preached and demonstrated the kingdom of God in the marketplace. And in fact, he did it all over the place. You have no excuse. You have a place, therefore the kingdom must land there. He trained his disciples to do the same. Who are we? Disciples. So Jesus said this in Acts 4, uh, so Acts 1 verses uh, 4 to 5. He said, do not leave devoted conference, but wait eagerly for the gift of the Father that has been promised to you, his disciples, which you've heard me and Jesus speak to you about quite a lot. For John baptized with water, but you right now are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so why don't we stand and get baptized in the Holy Spirit and see what he'll do. So, you know, like God loves feeding hungry people and hungry people don't cross their arms. You just don't get fed with crossed arms. So why don't you open up your arms and get hungry? And I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit to come and rock your world. So, Father, I thank you that you are so, so good, that you are so, so kind. Lord, I thank you that there are incredible men, women in this uh, room today. Lord, I thank you that there are incredible sons and daughters that have got incredible blessing already on their life. And Father, we ask now, come and rain down a baptism of Holy Spirit fire. Come and rain it down, O God. Come and rain down your fire across this room. Come and pour it out, your blessing. Come and release your joy. Come and break off depression. Come and break off poverty. Come and loosen up bodies. Come and manifest healing power. Come and fill your saints. Come and fill your children. This is your inheritance to be flowing in the Holy Spirit, to know his goodness, to know his blessing. This is yours now. Lay hold of it. Your father is not reluctant. You pray for his willingness to be coming into your being right now. So ask for more. Say more, God. More. I need more of you. I need more of you. I need more of you, Holy Spirit. More of you in my family more of you in my workplace. Break off my lies and release me into freedom. Oh God, come. Come, Jesus. We thank you that you are in this room. We thank you that you are in this house. We thank you that you are strengthening your sons and daughters. You are equipping them for works of service. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just wait in the Holy Spirit? I believe God's going to begin to speak to you specifically in this moment. He's going to begin to put places and people on your mind. So just take a moment to hear from your father.